you for that, Howard. Thank you again for leading us in worship too. That was awesome just to know that we can stand in awe and to worship our God, to know that he is so holy and good to us. So as Howard said, it's good to be back. My name is Austin and just want to say blessings and peace to you all in Home of Christ 4. Hope you guys are doing okay. I know it's a tough, tough year and we're kind of reaching the end of the year. Pretty crazy, huh? Like Halloween just happened, Thanksgiving and Christmas will be upon us before we know it. So I'd like to kind of do a quick survey. What I like to do usually, I know we're online, it's really tough, but I like to encourage you all. It's not mandatory, but if you're able to have the means to, you can, um, if you can do this, yeah, if you can turn on your cameras or even unmute yourself that way as I'm kind of giving the message, it's not a one-way street and you can feel free to laugh. You can give me facial expressions. So I know, okay, maybe I said something confusing or maybe that was okay. And yeah, feel free if you're able to. If not, no ways at all. Cause here and there I'll ask about maybe like two or three questions. And if there's anyone that wants to chime in, feel free to do so. So for this morning, before we really dive in into the main topic and the passage for this morning, I have a quick question I would like to ask you all. And this one, you can chime in. Maybe we can kind of compare and even flex and say who has a better one for this question. The first question, if we can go to the first slide as well, Howard, thank you, is have any of you met a celebrity or just someone famous or been in the same room as someone famous? And I know famous can be many things, can be a streamer, can be your favorite hobbyist or even someone that's really, really big name and even one like that. So take a moment and if anyone wants to chime in, one or two people, definitely feel free if you met someone famous. All right, well, one or two people like to share. Have they met someone super popular that we can be envious of you? <laughs> I met like other, like not really famous. They're famous in the Christian probably circle. Sure. Like Philip Yancey, but he isn't even fancy. Mm. My childhood. It's more like my parents. <laughs> Translated. Right. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah, he still counts. Definitely. Famous person. Cool. Yeah. I'm always curious if people have met, maybe even like, the president or someone like a governor it's like there's always like those people that just like you stumble upon them out of nowhere right so yeah we'll jump on me um go for it i've met two former heads of state when i say met i'm obviously like exaggerating <laughs> um so it's president bill clinton and mm. uh, president Ying joe um and uh honestly they just gave really big talks and uh stuck around later to to shake hands so uh clinton was when he gave a sp uh, speech at Mondavi Center at UC Davis when I was an undergrad. And uh, what was cool was, um, sorry, I'll, I'll be quick about this. No, you're fine. Most students weren't able to get tickets. So we went into an overflow um, building called Freeborn and mm -hmm. we just watched on video. What was really neat is after he gave his talk, he expressed over from Mondavi to Freeborn and shook a bunch of filthy student hands. And inclu uh, that includes mine. Wow. Uh, uh, Mayan Joe was, I think, two years back. He came to speak uh, local college. That was kind of neat. Mm, definitely. Cool. Thanks for sharing it too. So maybe, maybe I 
hopefully blessed the rest of you by the end of the year might meet someone popular you never know or celebrity someone famous very cool I want to share this because it's kind of a more personal thing that I'm thinking about people like to share like oh I met this person him or her and you never know who you might stumble upon because at the end of the day I think we're all people some people are better looking some people are more talented sure very cool makes them celebrities but I remember as a kid that always struck me I'm always wondering like what makes a celebrity a celebrity they're kind of like me more or less just a bit more skilled and a bit more better looking as I said earlier and what I sometimes wonder as a kid and even to this day is how was it back then back then in the medieval ages even or even in the old testament times in the biblical old testament times were there celebrities little bit right like maybe some popular people did some victorious things in war or did a huge achievement but if you think about it I think celebrities were more of the people in royalty the people like kings queens princes princesses and all these different people back then in those times so I kind of think about like okay back then those were the celebrities and how would it have been for us because right now in our culture in our time we don't have kings or queens or prince or princesses right we have the president we know elections are coming up very heated stuff and we have governments and all these different things but if you could imagine and entertain me for a while too is to think about how that would have been if we were actually back in those days in the medieval days and back in the biblical old testament times that there was a king there was a queen and all these royalty people that we would look up to and i can just imagine myself that if we were living back then that say the king called upon you right the king said hey i summon you come to my courts tomorrow what an honor that would be and also a horror to actually step into the king's courts that as you're kind of walking to the king's court as you're walking over there's guards everywhere the golden floors golden ceiling and there's the king just holding maybe like a chalice or golden chalice and in his power and authority he can make your life super easy he can bless you he can give you fortune he can make your life tough he can take away your possessions or he can even end your life right that's how intense it is and so i think this again this whole concept of kingship especially is a little foreign to us in our culture but this morning i'd like us to consider this idea of kingship that although we don't have kings in our day or not equivalent that we do serve a king don't we that we do see christ we see jesus christ as our king he is the king of kings he is the lord of lords and that in many ways we do serve a king a heavenly king that's high above all earthly kings that ever lived high above any president any ruler or government that we see in our time and as christians to remind ourselves that we have indeed surrendered our lives and that our allegiance is to king jesus and we serve his kingdom so this morning i'd like us to turn into the book of revelation very dense book we're going to look at chapter one break it down as best as we can in a very simple hopefully concise way as well revelation one and our topic if we can go to our next slide please is three r's just to simplify it three r's stand for readying reflecting and revering and those will be these words that help us break down the chapter of revelation one so our main passage again will be revelation chapter one we'll look at the whole chapter all 20 verses revelation chapter one verses one to 20 it'll be on the slide as well but if you want to use your hard copy bible go online feel free do so now and i'll be reading from the esv if you guys want to see it word for word but any version you want any version it should be fine but revelation chapter one all right as we turn there and i believe they'll be on the slides as well so let's turn to those slides and those of you that have 
heard me preach before we can i know it's different online but if there's enough space in your room love wiggle room i want to encourage you to stand with me as a way of showing god that we're respecting and receiving his word and then i'll read this for us all right revelation one the revelation of jesus christ which god gave him to show his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. John to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him, who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of kings on earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierce them and all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus and to Smyrna and to Pergamum and to Tyratara and to Sardis and to Philadelphia and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me and on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands and in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man clothed of a long robe and with a golden shash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace, and his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars, and from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead, but he laid his right hand on me saying, fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore and I have the keys of death and Hades. Write therefore the things that you have seen, those that are and those that are to take place after this. As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Let's pray. Father God, we're reminded just as we have sung and meditated that you have washed away our sins and that you are victorious. And even before creation, you have stood and you have accomplished what you have planned before time. We thank you that through your son, Jesus, who is our King and our savior, we can worship you we can fellowship even in this very morning to be united in his name we thank you for your word we thank you for 
this this book and chapter of Revelation. We know there's a lot of things in your word in general and even in Revelation, but we pray that you would speak to us through your word, through your spirit, and that you would, through this time, really humble us and remind us of what it means to serve our King, to be humble, to be rejoiced, to know it is such an honor to live for his kingdom. And we ask that through your word that you empower us to live a life that is different. We ask that you would strengthen us too and also encourage us in these times. We give this time up to you. We love you and pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So next for bearing with me. I know it's a long, long chapter. When I was looking at it initially, I was thinking like, man, I wish I can cut it down, but I realized like this, everything flows together in this chapter one. So as some of you know, the book of Revelation is super complicated. It's one of arguably one of the densest books in the Bible. Personally, for me, this is one of the first times I decided to really tackle Revelation and give it a go. And I would say that Revelation is filled with just countless, countless metaphors, symbolisms, and prophecies. And that's part of the reason why it's so tough, because there's so many things we have to break down, certain things we're not sure, some things haven't even happened yet. And we're just doing our best to interpret that and trust in God's word. So as a way of keeping things straightforward, I would like for us to focus on just three action words, which ties back to our title of this message. If we can go to the next slide, please. Thank you. These three action words, I believe, will help us focus a bit more on Revelation chapter one. And also bear in mind, this is only scratching the surface of chapter one, because again, there's so, so, so much that we can dive into and really interpret and read into. But to simplify it, and for the sake of this message, I would like for us to focus on these three action words, readying, reflecting, and revering. With these action words, I think it'll help us better learn and ultimately love our King, which is Jesus. Jesus as our King. We'll learn to love him. We'll learn more about what it means to see him as our King. And through these three words, we can ready ourselves for the return of our King. We can reflect on what Jesus has done and we can revere Jesus for who he really is. So let's move on to the first word, the first action word, which is readying. We can go to the next slide. We're going to break down this verse piece by piece, but if you want, you can kind of glance at it again or speed read. We'll look at just verses one to three once more. Because in this three verses or so, we see our first action word, don't we? We see the word of readying. And what I mean by that is if we look at verse three, specifically verse three, it says, blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, as we did earlier, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it. And then this is the catch right here for the time is near. And that's a question right there, isn't it? For the time is near. It sounds very vague. It sounds very poetic. Sounds almost commanding too, doesn't it? For the time is near. It's like, ooh, this ominous theme kind of crawls in now. So time is near. And the question is the time for what, right? What is near? The time is near. And simply put, I think most of you know the answer if you kind of think about it is the time is near that our king his time is nearing, that the return of our King Jesus is coming. It's very near. It's getting nearer and dearer as each hour, as each day and week and month passes, that indeed King Jesus is returning soon. The time is near. In the Bible, we see and read about Jesus that he says that, I prepared a place for you now, I'll come back again. And as he was ascending back to heaven the first time, he was telling his disciples, I will come back. And we read letters from Paul, from Peter, from Timothy, all these people that are writing in the Bible, even Old Testament writers, they're saying 
the Messiah is coming, coming first time, but also coming back, that he is returning. And this reminds us that Jesus has come once as a baby walked on earth to redeem humanity. But the second time, which is what verse three is talking about, the time is near that Christ will return once more and he will perform judgment. He will rule, he will reign. And what we call the end times will basically occur. And that question basically is pushed back to all of us. And the question is, are you ready for the return of King Jesus? Are you ready for our King's return? Are you doing everything you can as best as you can that although he can return in this very moment, tomorrow, we don't know when, are you ready if he returns? And I hope that it won't catch us by surprise because in a way, number one, we don't know when he's coming back, but we can do our best to prepare. We can do our best to live a life that is honorable and being sober-minded that when Christ returns, we can be ready. We can be ready to welcome our King with joy and gladness rather than anguish or being scared and being nervous for his return. I want to share a quick story. I think some of you play instruments, I assume. So one or two, maybe even learning an instrument, which is awesome. For me, typical Asian kid, I learned piano as a young, young kid. And so I did piano, did some recitals, like all that fun stuff. And I remember in middle school, I had to take a very big piano exam. It was my level around like five or six back then. And I had to study a lot. I had to study a sight reading, which is basically to present a piece to you that you've never seen. You look at it for about 30 seconds to a minute and you just impromptu play that piece. So that's sight reading. And then this theory, which was my weaker point, but theory, just kind of knowing the technicalities of music writing, how to read time signatures. And my forte, which was actually memorizing a piece that I really enjoyed. So I remember memorizing a piece. I actually don't have really good memory. I have more of a short-term memory back then as a kid, especially. So that was really tough, good challenge for me to memorize a four-page piece, to playing it, memorizing a bit more each day, each hour. And eventually it was ingrained in my mind. So days leading up to my exam, because I memorized my piece specifically so much that I even had dreams of myself playing that piano piece because it was so ingrained in my head. And it was just muscle memory at that point. And I remember after performing the piece, I felt pretty good, like didn't make too many mistakes, maybe here and there, tripped up or almost had a brain fart, but I was able to play my piece successfully from start to finish. Praise God for that. And to my surprise, though, a couple of months later, when I got my results, they told me that I did actually really good. And they wanted me to re-perform that memorized piece in this private recital. So I remember thinking like, well, hopefully I still remember my piece because I was practicing for the sake of my exam. But because of all those hours and days and months of practicing and reciting that piece, I'd say that I was, again, giving some extra months to practice, of course, but that helped to know that because I had practiced that piece so much, when I was able to re-perform it months later in a recital, I was able to do about the same. I don't know if I did better or worse, but still able to go start to finish again. And I think that is a small reflection of how we can be prepared. That for me, as I prepared for this exam, I was able to still trust that because of my preparation and being ready that although they called me to do that, uh, do that recital again, I was able to play that piece once more. And on a grander scale, I wanna bring this back to our theme of being ready for our King, that we can be ready too, as we're practicing this discipline of being in prayer, practicing reading his word and being just in tune of going to church as we're doing this morning, which is great and loving people and living our lives for the King that may we never be out of practice. That it's just one day we're doing something that's good and God honoring, but the next day we're just out of practice because one day Christ will come and will we be doing something that's honorable when our King returns is the question. 
So that's the first R word that will slowly break down is readying. Can we ready ourselves? Can we prepare ourselves for the return of our king? The second action word, which is reflecting, thank you for that, comes from verses four to eight. It's four to eight. I'll read this really quickly. Verses four to eight says, John to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before this throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of kings on earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him and all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, said the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. So, so far we talked about the first action word, which is readying. We're preparing ourselves, readying up for the potential anytime return of our King. The second word is reflecting. And reflecting simply means to remember something, right? When we reflect on something, there's a little difference between reflecting and thinking. Thinking usually is something that crosses your mind, but reflecting is something that you dwell on a bit longer. If you reflect on something, you're considering it a bit more, deeper thought, thinking about maybe ways that it can apply to your life or you're just maybe dwelling and just almost looming on that a bit more. So there's a slight difference between thinking and reflecting. And I'd like to take that a step further that when we reflect on Jesus, when we reflect on our King, we're not just thinking about what he's done for us, but we're really reflecting on that. Like, what does it mean that Jesus came to die for me? What does it mean that he's freed me, that he loves me, that he has forgiven me on the cross? These are not things that we just think about. There is a time and place to think about it, but to really reflect because there's so many implications, applications, and so many game-changing things that have happened, what Jesus has done. So it takes time to reflect. We sometimes just have to sit in a quiet place that reflect, really soak up these truths, soak up this reality and what Christ has done for us. A famous quote from Pastor John Piper, one of my favorite, I think some of you might have heard him before. John Piper, he says this. He says, Christians are not called to only share and preach about the gospel to other people. We are called to do that. Friends and family and co-workers are spheres of influence. But, he says, to also share and preach about the gospel to themselves. So Christians preach to other people, but Christians preach the gospel to themselves as well. As we're preaching the gospel and sharing the good news of Jesus to other people that we love and people we meet, we preach it to ourselves too. It's not just a one-time, one-and-done deal of like, oh, I heard the gospel for myself. I'm good. And someone else has to hear it. But it's two ways. It goes both. That the more we actually preach the gospel to ourselves, the more we reflect on what Jesus has done, that actually influences us and we're actually becoming more impactful and more passionate about the message that we're sharing to other people. And so what I'd like us to do is take a brief few second moment to think and further than thinking, reflect on how Jesus has redeemed you. How has Jesus saved you? How was that testimony? And all of us has a testimony story. How has Jesus freed you and forgiven you of your sins? To really think about that and reflect about that in this very moment. What were you like? What were you doing before you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And how have you changed ever since?
when I think about reflecting on Jesus, I have a friend that whenever you, you bring it up, whenever I bring up Jesus to him too, there'll be times where he just starts crying. He gets emotional because he realizes how far Jesus has saved him, how far Jesus has forgiven him and freed him from his sin and his past life. Because for my friend, he used to struggle and battle with depression. He went through drug abuse. He had many dark thoughts. And that acceptance, when he finally decided to accept Jesus as his Lord, his King, his Savior, there was so, so, so much joy and passion that filled his heart that he began to just change. It was a complete change for my friend that he decided to serve at a church. He decided to share this Jesus with his friends and family and just how amazing Jesus is to him. And I think that comes with reflection that we don't have to get to the point of my friend, of course, but just to have that reflection to really have a high view of what Jesus has done for you. That when you reflect on that, that he died on the cross for you, not just the world or for your friend or for your parents, but for you, that should strike a chord that as we're reflecting on this, this really brings us to a sense of reverence for our King. And that leads us to the third and final action word, which is revering, revering Christ as our King. This is a longer verse, so we won't read through it again, but just as a frame of reference, you can look to the slide or look to your Bibles, verses 9 to 20. There's a little bit of stuff that we can kind of dive into and unpack here as well. As a quick test, and if anyone wants to share for a little bit of interaction, feel free. What were the two words that we talked about so far? Two R words, two action words. Anyone remember? Was it readying and reflecting? Yes, good job. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> Someone's paying attention. Readying and reflecting. And now the third one, which is revering. Revering. It's a word we're not too familiar with, or we don't use it often, I know, because it's used actually in a very kingly context. And revering just means to respect someone or to admire someone or to value something, to revere something, to really have a high view on something or someone. And this word, I think, rightly so, belongs to Jesus as our king, that we revere Jesus as our king, that we worship him, we sing songs, but we also have this heart of honor toward him as we revere him. And I want to say that in order to revere Christ and Jesus, Jesus Christ as our king, that we must have a very big view of him, because if we have a very small view of you that's not really growing or a view that's just very limited, sure, we can still revere Jesus as king, but we have to have a big view, a growing view and understanding of who Jesus is in order to revere him, in order to gain a deeper sense of wonder and a deeper sense of worship for Jesus as king, as he deserves. And if we can, for just a second, can we step into the shoes of John? Because the writer of Revelation is John, one of the 12 disciples, original 12 disciples that was part of Jesus's group when Jesus was on earth. And for John, you can imagine he must have learned so much from Jesus in those three years or so that he spent with Jesus. Being Jesus' friend, he was known as the disciple that laid on Jesus' chest. So he had a very close relationship with Jesus. So if you can, for a second, put yourself in John's shoes, the writer of Revelation, the writer of these verses that we're reading right now. That how amazing for him, for John, that he actually saw a vision of Jesus in these verses. That's what he's explaining right here. It's his encounter, his experience with Jesus. 
and we see so many elements, so many descriptions. For example, in starting in verse 12, what John sees of Jesus is that Jesus is clothed with a long robe, that there's a golden shash around his chest, and his hairs were white like snow. His eyes were flame of fire. That's pretty intense. And even more intense, his mouth, there was a double-edged sword coming out of it. And in full strength, his faith was shining like the sun. And these are just mere descriptions, I think. Even words fail to describe the glory, the beauty of Jesus as king. But if you put yourself in John's shoes, how intense is that? That Jesus is right before John. That Jesus is encountering John once more, but in his full glory. Not just as a man and a God person that was humble, but in his full glory as a king. And we read that John pretty much falls dead because he can't handle it. It's so overwhelming. And for this, I think this is the reminder for us that when we have a big, big, big vision of who Jesus is, and even from these verses, we get a small picture of how Jesus is like in his full radiance and his power and his glory, that this actually helps us to revere him more, doesn't it? That we see him as truly a king, truly as someone that we don't mess with, of course, because he has all power. He has the keys to death in Hades. But even more so that, as John said in these verses too, that we can know that he is a king that we serve and he is the right king to serve. A little bit again is to kind of put ourselves in John's shoes as we read in verse, I believe verse nine, that he is on this island called Patmos. And Patmos, what that island is acquainted to, or we can correlate that to, is modern day Alcatraz. I think some of you have been to Alcatraz before near SF. It's actually like a prison island, very far off from the shore, but kind of imagine Patmos like that, like a modern day Alcatraz, that that's where John is at as he's writing this letter. He's exiled for his faith because basically Christians were not liked. They were kind of hated on in many ways too. And John was exiled on the island. He was pretty much by himself is what people believe by himself, lonely, probably discouraged for his faith in Jesus. And some of you are thinking like, okay, hopefully I don't get exiled to an island. Hopefully we don't either. But in many ways that we're bringing this back home and to really apply it into our lives. I think there's a lot of connection and relevance to our lives, isn't there? That as we're sheltering in place, as we're isolating in our own little homes and quote unquote islands, or as we're being safe from COVID and as elections are getting heating up, there's racism and there's riots going on. It can be pretty depressing and we can feel very isolated and lonely at times too, just like John. But in this very time, we can find encouragement because as John is isolated on this island of Patmos, feeling isolated, lonely, discouraged, this is when he actually sees the vision of his king. This is when he sees Jesus and he reveres Jesus as this king of kings and lord of lords. And this reminds me of a famous, famous saying. I'm sure some of you heard of it before. It says, don't tell God how big your problems are but tell your problems how big your God is. So that's the reverse. And it applies the same here. Instead of telling our king how big the problems, the circumstances, the year 2020, how big and frustrating has been, and it has been for sure. Instead, tell this year how big your king is, how big Jesus is, that he is the alpha and omega. He is the beginning and the end, and he is the one that has conquered death and offers us abundant and eternal life. And in this description, holding the seven stars, those lampstands in his hand, it's a representation that Jesus is in control, in full control. And if you are part of his church and part of his people, he's, he's got you. 
So as a sum up and let's wrap up everything, I know we're just again, scratching the surface of Revelation 1. There's so, so, so much more that we can talk about and dive into, but for the sake of focus, what we've talked about this morning is action words are these three action words, right? Of readying, reflecting, and revering. We can go to the next slide, please. Next. And to sum everything up in a very simple short sentence way, the first R, we are to ready ourselves for the return of Christ, for our King, he is returning soon. The second is we are to reflect on what Christ has done. And the third, we are to revere Christ for who he is. We wait for our King's return. We reflect on what our King has done as a savior and we make much. We have this growing understanding and we worship and are in this sense of wonder of who our King is. As we close, let's go to the last slide, please. I would like us to just consider these questions. You can pray, you can journal, take a moment to really reflect, maybe one minute or so. I know we're running out of time very soon, but just to spend a few moments to really reflect and think about these questions. And the questions are, are you ready for the return of King Jesus? And reflect on the ways that Christ has saved and redeemed you. Last question is, during these difficult times and this difficult year of 2020, how can you revere the goodness and glory of Christ to tell your problems this year, how big your King is, not the other way around. So how about we just spend about 30 seconds or so. You can pray you can close your eyes you and think about these questions, journal, whatever helps you to really reflect on this passage and these questions. And then I would close us in prayer. Father God, we come to you. We thank you for your word. Thank you for the reminders and even the challenges of how we serve a king. We serve a king that is so glorious and powerful, eternal, pure, holy, and so many more attributes. And we ask that just through Revelation 1, although we were just scratching the surface of this amazing and detailed and great passage that we can learn to be ready for the coming of our king. May we reflect on what our King has done as our savior to free us out of love and to save us, to call us into a priesthood of church and holiness. And we ask that you would help us to revere our King, to have a growing and big vision and even a understanding of who our King is, that there is no one like him. We thank you that we can serve our King with joy and delight and with peace, knowing that he's got us and that even in this very tough year, as we're in this past year of 2020 and so many things going on and things are still uncertain that we can rest knowing that our King is in control, 
that he is seated on his throne. And we ask that you will continually empower us to be ready, that we can continually be in doing good deeds and good works for your glory, and that continually meet as a church and encourage each other to do the same. We thank you for this church, and we pray that as body of believers, we would be there to strengthen each other with our words, with our actions, and even through the means of technology to bless one another. So we thank you again. We ask that as we continue our time of worship, that we can reflect on what you have done for us and that we can be free to serve you and serve this world for your kingdom and for your glory. We ask all this in Christ's name. Amen.